<laughs> this is Hashtag History, episode 49. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And welcome to a special Halloween edition of the podcast. <laughs> Halloween is definitely weird and different this year. Yeah. Not that I typically do anything particularly exciting on Halloween. No, but I'm literally locking myself in this year. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, for myself, I don't have kids no. and i'm pretty far from that like cute 21 year old i don't like scary party. movies i i mean i i'll cram did i say at a birthday party you did it doesn't matter okay go ahead uh, like i don't like scary movies so there's not that aspect for me but i will be cramming halloween town yes. and hocus pocus yes. and all the disney channel original of movies course. that are weirdly surrounded it's around Halloween for some reason. The Disney Channel movies and even just the the shows, how each show had like a Halloween oh, show. Yeah. Oh my god, so good. So I, I love that. And and yeah, I would say that's probably what I'm doing this year too. Yeah. Anyway, so if nothing else, if you do not have exciting Halloween plans, because we do not, curl up in some comfy PJs, get a candle going, Ooh. lower the lights, Ooh. and enjoy this extra spooky, extra creepy Halloween edition of Hashtag History. This week, we are talking about Alcatraz. 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 <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Alcatraz was a maximum security federal prison located on Alcatraz Island, which is just a mile and a half off the San Francisco coast. I literally didn't realize it was that far. Because it doesn't feel like it. No. We'll be talking about this in this episode, but Lee and I have both been, and the ferry ride is like 15 minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. nothing. Between the location, the weather, and the horrifically cold waters that surrounded it, it was considered to be the strongest prison in America. Yeah. Alcatraz housed some of America's worst and most notorious inmates, including Machine Gun Kelly, Robert Birdman Stroud, and of course, Al Capone. Mm-hmm. Today, Alcatraz is a museum that sees 1.5 million visitors a year, which includes, like I just shared, Leah and I. We went a couple of years ago, and yeah. we will definitely be talking about that in this episode. Yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, we're going to spend a little time reminiscing, reminiscing on the days about when we used to like go outside and see other human beings. What's the, remember the time when we fell in love? Do you remember the time? That's Michael Jackson. Of course it is. Of course it is. Why would we even? I know. I'm like, what is this song? It's MJ. Anywho. But above and beyond all of these interesting facts, Alcatraz has long been considered one of the most haunted locations in America, with visitors reporting feeling pockets of ice cold as they walk through the former prison, hearing crying and moaning as they walk through the cell blocks, and even report hearing Al Capone playing his banjo in the showers. Interesting. I cannot wait to get into this spooky shit, starting first with this week's extra spooky cocktail. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. Buckle 
up, guys. It smells delicious, though. <laughs> All right. So this week's cocktail is called The Rock. I love it. That's and, perfect. Yeah. So it's named after um, Dwayne Johnson. No. Oh. So it's a spin on a pomegranate Cosmo. Okay. Cosmos. Cosmo. It's a Cosmo. All right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Cosmopolitan. Yeah. Cosmo. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So it's got vodka. Yeah. 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 Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. So it's got vodka. It's got orange liqueur. I put triple sec in. Uh, it's got pomegranate juice, which Rachel freshly squeezed some pomegranates for me. You know, you know, the my awesome father-in-law brought over probably like a hundred of them, seriously. And yeah. so I've had like three pomegranates a day just trying to get through them. I love them. They're delicious. I was happy to spare a few for this cocktail. Yeah, tis the season for tis pomegranates. the season. Yeah. For and- Meg Ryan and pomegranates. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then you top all that off with lime juice, a little squirt, squirt of lime juice. (laughs) You're supposed to, yeah, you're supposed to pour it into like a chilled martini glass because it is like a Cosmo, but we don't have martini glasses here. We're not like that. And we didn't even chill the glasses we do have. Don't give us away completely. I mean, the picture is going to. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. (laughs) So, as many of you may know, The Rock is actually a nickname for Alcatraz. Yeah. And also the name of a 1996 action thriller starring Nicolas Cage and taking place on Alcatraz. Or at least I think it does. My memory of the movie is fuzzy because my husband, who has a very strange obsession with Nick Cage, made me watch it. And I conceded but said I would only do so if alcohol was involved. It's just like Face Off and all the other Nick Cage movies he's made me watch. Oh, my God. Um, needless to say, I don't remember much about the plot line. Because you were drinking the rock cocktail. Yeah. Now, um, I need to know. Mm-hmm. And you need to tell me. Mm. Is it just Nico or does anyone else else's husband or significant other have a weird obsession with Nicolas Cage? I would love to know. Um, and I'm going to go home and ask Alex. Okay. Because to this day, and uh-huh. we're talking like seven plus years, yeah. I'm still not sure if he's joking. <laughs> or if he's 100%. Should we bring him in here as a guest? I mean, we could try. <laughs> but like, I can't tell. Is he is, so is he joking? Yeah, is the Nick Cage thing real? Or or, or is he 100% serious about his love and devotion for wow. Nick? I just can't tell. Wow. I wow. can't tell. All I know is I know what I'm getting him for Christmas. So. Oh, yeah. He would flip. Flip. Fantastic. Done. It's done. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. So anyway. That is hilarious. Yeah. Back to the actual cocktail. Other than the connection with the name The Rock, I also chose this cocktail because it is blood red. Yeah. Which goes with our spooky Halloween vibes. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> okay, let's drink. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just got a little bit more of the lime juice. Oh, my God. I love this. Yeah. Killing it the last few weeks. Killing it. This is good. Rating? Eight. And I say that because I loved our last one more. Yeah. And I think I gave that one a nine. Yeah. So, but this is very, very good. I'm going to go a little lower seven. Okay. But I think if I was drinking it, like in a Cosmo, like a I, if I was being fancy and stuff, it might have gone up. But I think it's just because it's. I feel a little trashy. <laughs> I feel trashy drinking out of a. It's literally mini mason jar. It's a mason jar. Yeah, we're drinking out of. Um, and with a little lemon twist on it. 
Yes. Or some oh. little... Um, or in like sugar rim, a sugar rim <sighs> instead of a salt rim. Well, I was going to go in the exact opposite direction. I was going to say, you know, with like uh, teeth and eyeballs in it because Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my God, a, a pair of eyeballs in it. Oh my oh God. My God. <laughs> this is delish. Yeah, it's really good. Alcatraz has a very long history, and truthfully, I want to whiz through it so we can get to the spooky shit. Yes. Alcatraz's history dates all the way back to 1775 when Spanish explorer Juan Manuel de Ayala first wrote about it, calling it La Isla de los Alcatraz, which translates to the Island of the Pelicans, Mm. which, I mean, anyone that's been to San Francisco has seen pelicans and seagulls. Everywhere. everywhere you are not safe mm. they will they will swoop down and take your food out of your hands yeah they're used to tourists it's it's riddled with birds and and like i said you're not safe, you're not safe. <laughs> no if you one have food in your hand watch at watch your back what your head watch the sky yeah <laughs> eventually the word for pelican alcatraz stuck and that is now what we call it today in 1850, President Millard Fillmore, remember that guy? Yeah, no one does. <laughs> signed. <laughs> Even me, who I learned recently my weird party trick is that I know random facts about President, almost every president. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about Millard Fillmore. Someone teach me. Other than this, I know this. Mm. He signed an order to reserve the island for military use. Yeah. That's going to be my fun fact about him. Cool. Well, yeah, can you think of something else going on in the 1850s in San Francisco? Was that the, f- oh, the California gold rush? Yeah. <laughs> she peeked at my notes, but I feel confident you would have done the gold I rush I maybe anyway. eventually would have landed there. So because of the gold rush, the U.S. government decided they needed to protect the bay and built a fortress here, installed more than 100 cannons, and actually became the location of the first ever operational lighthouse on the West Coast. The best, best coast. coast. Fort Alcatraz was also used about 10 years later when the Civil War broke out to store firearms and even to imprison Confederate sympathizers and Civil War POWs. In 1867, the jailhouse was built and the U.S. began to realize the benefit of housing inmates here because of its location. Again, for anyone that's not familiar, Alcatraz Island is a 22-acre rock a mile and a half away from the San Francisco coast, surrounded by dicey ocean water that averages a lovely temperature of 12 degrees Celsius. What is that Fahrenheit? I don't know. We should look that up. 53, like that's that's not that cold. It says the average water temperature around Alcatraz is relatively chilly, around 12 degrees Celsius, 54 degrees Fahrenheit. All right. Okay. Anyway, we learned was something that. new. Yeah. They continued to build onto the prison to house more inmates. These inmates now included people captured during the Spanish-American War and also a number of Hopis from the Arizona Territory on the basis of disagreements with the federal government regarding land. When they had completed the construction in 1912, Alcatraz was the largest reinforced concrete building ever. If you look at a map of Alcatraz Penitentiary now, you will see there is a huge cell house, a recreation yard, a storehouse, barracks, the guard's house, the lighthouse, and more. And that was something when we were walking through that I was like, oh. Yeah. It's not just, like, you think of a prison, you generally think of a large building, maybe a couple buildings or something. Yeah. But no, it's it was like a, t- a little town. Yeah. No, it definitely was a little town. There were families that lived there yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's big. Mm-hmm. 
On October 12, 1933, the United States Department of Justice officially acquired the island and it became an official federal prison the following year. Alcatraz became known as a last stop shop for criminals that basically just kept getting kicked out of other prisons. Or breaking out. (laughs) Or breaking out of other prisons. Yes, exactly. On August 11th, 1934, the first 137 prisoners arrived on the island. On average, the prison would house about 260 to 275 prisoners at a time, which was less than 1% of the population of federal inmates. Mm. They ran a tight ship at Alcatraz. Inmates received a booklet with rules and regulations for life in the prison. I've actually pulled a couple of those rules together here for you to read, Leah. Okay. Rule number five, privileges. You are entitled to food, clothing, shelter, and medical attention. Anything else that you get is a privilege. (laughs) i know like guess what we're literally giving you what you need to survive beyond that good luck (laughs) rule number six disciplinary action may result in loss of some or all of your privileges and or confinement in the treatment unit Ooh. Uh rule number seven the treatment unit is the segregation section of the institution where privileges may be restricted to a minimum. So is that like the high? That was D block. And we're going to be talking about that shortly. Yeah. Um, Rule number 20, recreation. As a general rule, you will work eight hours a day, five days a week with Saturdays, Sundays, and holidays devoted to recreation. Movies are shown twice each month. Exercise yard activities include baseball, handball, and various table games. Newly arrived inmates are kept in quarantine status for 30 days and are not allowed recreation during that period. That's actually, even back then, they were like quarantining people. Yeah, I think like, oh my God, like, when you first come in, you're literally not allowed to do anything at all. Oh, it's terrible. Month. But yeah. if you think about it, if that person is sick, oh, prisons yeah. are notorious for like, once one person is in there and sick, like other people contract. Uh, yeah. It's going to spread like flipping wildfire. Yeah. But so yeah, I, I'm interested to hear that even hear, in the thirties, yeah. they were doing that. And it's super funny how that's like relevant now. Whereas if we had, Oh yeah. Done I wouldn't even know a year ago. Okay, cool. They're in quarantine status. Yeah. Like, bro so are we yeah (laughs) (laughs) not to compare no but we are yeah in quarantine status okay each inmate had their own cells the cells in b and c block were each five feet by nine feet if you stand in one of these cells today unless you have really short arms no judgment if you do but i definitely don't you can actually stretch out your arms and touch both sides of the wall at the same time these cells contained a sink a bed and a toilet. The cells in the D block, also known as the treatment unit that you just talked about, Leah, were a touch bigger, but you didn't want to be in D block because the inmates housed here were confined to their cells nearly 24-7, with the exception of a singular weekly visit to the recreation yard. There were some cells in A block, but they were primarily only used for short-term stays and for general storage. Inmates were allowed one visit a month, but were not allowed to have any physical contact, nor were they allowed to discuss current events or things going on in the prison. What? And to be honest, what the hell else does that leave you to talk about? The weather. But the weather is literally exactly the same at all times there. (laughs) I mean, every time It's windy today. (laughs) It sure is windy today. Like, yeah. So was it yesterday? So, yeah. Yeah. Again, this place was hardcore. There were four guard towers at very 
particular points on the island so that prisoners were constantly being monitored. The mess hall had tear gas canisters built into the ceiling. There was one prison guard for every three inmates. The guards were heavily armed and the inmates were counted upwards of a dozen times a day. The first ever warden, James A. Johnston, had over 12 years of experience in the prison system and was a hard ass. Because of all of this, escapes from the island were very rare. It was nearly impossible to get past the guards to get out, but even if you did, it was likely that the currents of the bay would kill you before you could reach land. In fact, in the prison's less than 30 years of operation, there were at least 36 inmates that attempted to escape, but nearly all were captured, shot and killed, or drowned once they reached the water. Of the escape attempts, there are two that were especially infamous. The first, known as the Battle of Alcatraz, occurred over a two-day span in May of 1946 when six prisoners were able to overpower the prison guards and demanded that they hand over the keys. I remember this during our tour. Yes, I do too. Yeah, this was like a very cool part of the tour. Were we walking through the cells on this part? I think so. Yeah. Prison guard William Miller turned over all the keys, but one, the key to the outer door. When the inmates realized they couldn't get out the outer door, they turned on the guards, killing two of them. The U.S. Marines ended up getting involved and killed the three prisoners that resisted arrest. In the end, two guards and three inmates were killed, with another 17 guards and one prisoner injured. Equally infamous, if not more so, is, of course, the escape attempt made on June 11th, 1962, which was depicted in the 1979 movie titled Escape from Alcatraz, starring Clint Eastwood. You've seen it, right? Yeah, a long time ago, but yeah. I've seen it a long time ago, too, and researching this episode made me want to watch it again, like, so, so much. Yeah. On this date, Frank Morris and John and Clarence Anglin escaped from the prison by chiseling through the concrete around an air vent that led into this little three-foot corridor just behind their cells. They used a metal spoon and a stolen electric drill to get through the concrete, and they always waited to do this chiseling during music hours so that they could not be heard. They had also made a makeshift inflatable raft from over 50 stolen raincoats that they had collected over the course of weeks. That's like I, that part I was I remember hearing and being like, what? That's amazing. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Obviously, it's water resistant. Yeah. When they made their escape, they left behind something on their beds. Leah, do you want to check out a super creepy picture? Yeah. I, I, I'm sure you remember this oh, like from the absolutely. tour, from the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they have like replicas of mm-hmm. this when you walk through. Yeah, so it's super creepy. Um, they're paper mache heads. Yeah. And so they like bulked up their pillows. And so so if a guard's walking by in the dark at night, they're not going to see that they're fake, but they are and they're creepy AF. It looks very realistic. Yeah. So there, there's one picture. We actually have two pictures. So the first one is of it in the bed and the second one is of it like, with, you know, so you could see it a little better. Um, they must have had, there was an artiste in the group, was there not? <laughs> That's actually exactly what I was going to say is like. I would not have put that much effort into it. It no. looks very realistic. It does. There was an artist. Yeah. <laughs> who, who is the artist? Who's yes. responsible for this master, <laughs> masterpiece? <laughs> so it's creepy AF. Yeah. They, like you said, they made these heads out of paper mache, and then the human hair that was on them was stolen from the prison's barbershop. That's crazy. According to the official report from the FBI, the men drowned while trying to reach the shore. 
But interestingly, the U.S. Marshals Service still to this day have the three men on their active most wanted list. Yeah. Due to the fact that a raft was never recovered and due to the fact that we know a 1955 Chevrolet was stolen by three men on the same night as the escape, there is circumstantial evidence that maybe the men survived. Mm -hmm. Relatives of the England brothers claim that a picture taken in 1975 in Brazil shows two men that look very, very similar to the England brothers. And even as recently as earlier this year in 2020, new technological advances in photographic facial recognition says that it is very likely that the 1975 picture was indeed the England Brothers. Mm. We are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. And I'm Jordan. Join us as we discuss conspiracy theories, true crime, the supernatural, and everything in between. Visit our website at mysteryhistorypodcast.com to check out our episodes, merch, and to sign up for our newsletters. Download our episodes on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. We will be releasing weekly episodes every Monday. Rate and review us for a shout-out on the show. Thanks for listening. Something else super interesting about the history of Alcatraz, during the height of operation, about 300 or so of the occupants of Alcatraz Island during this time were actually civilians, Mm -hmm. including women and children. This was the part that shocked me the most. This is maybe my favorite part of the story. It's just like, imagine being a kid growing up on Alcatraz Island. Yeah. It was, uh, at the time, run very much like a a military base. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So it was was very cool to Mm -hmm. learn that. So these uh, families, they they were the families of the warden and the guards. There was a living area for them, which included stores and even their own bowling alley. It's just so crazy. Yeah. The kids would take a boat to the mainland every day for school and to ensure no stray inmates had climbed on the boat. Each of the Alcatraz civilian children had to wear little ID tags with their names and association to Alcatraz on them. I mean, that's smart system. Right. Yeah. If a a little six-year-old gets on, like, Are you an inmate? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) But we've talked enough about the history of Alcatraz on this history podcast. I mean, what? Who wants to hear a history on a history podcast? God, that's not what you came here. (laughs) But really, let's get to the spooky stuff. So let's start with cell 14D. If you recall from earlier, D block was reserved for some of the worst criminals and they were essentially confined to their cells 24-7. The block was known as the hole. Mm Mm-hmm. One cell in particular on the block, though, cell 14, is considered to be the most haunted cell in the whole prison. You might remember it from when we went on our tour. Mm, I actually don't. I I think as I talk about it, you might. Um, Do you remember at the end of a block that the tour guides would let visitors go inside and then they would shut out the lights and shut the door? Vaguely. I think I opted out of that. I opted out of that. Yeah. But yeah. No. Yeah. That's part of the tour. That was cell 14D. Mm. Like the other cells in this block, it contained only a sink and toilet, no bed. What? Yes. But unlike the other toilets in this block, the toilet in cell 14D was just a hole in the ground. And the guards were in control of when this hole was flushed. 
This is sickening enough, but the other reason why this particular cell is so creepy is because it is always cold no matter what time of year. In fact, at times, this cell can be 20 degrees colder than the cell right next to it. That's crazy. I did not go in it, so I cannot confirm. No, I, I'm sure something like that I would be like, no, I'm going to pass. I'm good. I definitely remember we went with a group when we went, mm-hmm. and I remember so, I remember for sure like Janine went in, mm. um, and I remember some in our group went in and i was like continuing on to yeah. the next room yeah have fun <laughs> bye <laughs> bye <laughs> hope to see you later if not i know why <laughs> <laughs> but creepiest of all is the fact that a man died in this cell yeah the man held in the cell was screaming one night saying that there was a creature with glowing eyes in his cell with him and it was trying to kill him did it come from the hole in the ground the <laughs> toilet because that thing is nasty <laughs> <laughs> the next day the guards found the man strangled on the floor of the cell okay that's creepy an autopsy report revealed that there were handprints on the man's neck and that they did not appear to be self-inflicted Ooh. Almost creepier, on the very next morning when the guards were doing a head count, they counted one too many inmates. Many of them claimed that the man who had been strangled in 14D the night before appeared in this lineup the following morning, even though they knew he was dead by this point. Oh, so creepy. To this day, there are some staff members that refuse to go into that cell. We're not staff members, but that includes I wonder if the staff members that go in get, like, a raise. (laughs) They're like, you're paid five more cents an hour (laughs) if you go in. Then I'm going to (laughs) pass. Thank you. The laundry room in Block C at the prison is also said to be haunted. When a psychic and ex-convict visited the prison years after it closed, the psychic said she had an encounter with a tall, bald man that called himself Butcher in the laundry room. The name's the creepiest part. (laughs) The ex-convict there with her that day said, oh, yeah. I remember Busher. He was a hitman sent here for his crimes. He was killed by another inmate here in the laundry room. When they checked prison records afterward, they were able to confirm that an inmate with the name Butcher had indeed been murdered by another inmate in the laundry room in the 1940s. And she, they, they didn't just, they pulled that name out of their, not out of their ass, but. The fact that the guy, I mean, it was a nickname. It's not his, his legal name. Yeah. And he told the psychic, my name is Butcher. And the guy was like, yeah, I know Butcher. Even the original warden, James Johnston, a man who said he did not believe in ghosts, told stories of hearing strange sounds and voices throughout the prison. On one particular occasion, Johnston reported hearing a woman sobbing as he was giving a tour of the prison to guests. The guests also reported hearing the sobbing of a woman, although they could not pinpoint where the noise was coming from. As we mentioned earlier, and as many people know, Al Capone was probably Alcatraz's most notorious inmate. Mm-hmm. Despite his many crimes, or association <laughs> with many crimes, we know he was officially put away for tax evasion. While serving time at the federal penitentiary in Atlanta, Capone was able to manipulate the prison staff into giving him... Well, I'm actually just going to have you check out a picture, Leah, and you just... Tell our listening audience what you see. What do you see? (laughs) A four-star hotel. (laughs) It's it's a lot of nice shit in his room. That's what it is. uh, It looks like silk sheets. He has some piece of artwork up on his wall. Uh, You know, 
velvet comforter, a beautiful armchair, and the list goes on. A beautiful armoire slash desk. It looks like a, a... This is his cell. Yeah. Yeah. I I would pay to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, oh my God. Uh, yeah. While in the Atlanta prison, Capone had a luxury cell with expensive furniture and even carpet he had a radio in his cell and was allowed numerous visitors every single day Mm -hmm. when he was shipped off to alcatraz the staff there told him point blank that he would not be receiving any special treatment and he did not in fact life at alcatraz could be pretty shitty for capone he was once stabbed by another inmate got into a fight with yet another inmate in the recreation yard and even was forced to spend eight days in isolation Because he was such a notorious figure, when he joined the prison band, he chose to practice his banjo playing in the showers rather than out in the open with the other inmates for safety reasons. Capone was eventually transferred to the Federal Correctional Institution at Terminal Island in 1938 before being released from prison in 1939 when he moved to Miami where he lived out another 10 years before dying from untreated syphilis. Hmm. Although Capone did not die at Alcatraz, many staff members and even visitors have reported hearing banjo music coming from the showers. Interesting. One other particularly infamous figure is also said to haunt the prison. His name was Robert Stroud, otherwise known as the Birdman of Alcatraz. Have you ever heard of him? I don't think so. This, Whenever I think of Alcatraz, he's actually like the first person I think of. And um, it's actually for a lot of the like myths and legends surrounding this guy, not actual factual stuff. Yeah, maybe once you tell me some yeah. of this, I'll remember. Basically, he murdered a guy and was serving time in the Leavenworth prison where he stabbed and killed a prison guard following this incident he was confined to permanent solitary confinement it was here that stroud began studying ornithological diseases and where he also wrote and illustrated two books about the birds that he kept inside of his cell at one point he had some 300 birds in his cell that's not that's not real it's real it's real oh my god he's a published author from his prison cell well, no that that part i understand i, I know what like, you're like the capacity the capacity of- it was six by nine or whatever you said this right? is not at alcatraz yet i'm sorry this is oh, okay Le- which which granted i don't know the dimensions of the leavenworth prison but we're not at alcatraz yet okay we're not at alcatraz yeah. yet uh-huh um still crazy crazy i mean you couldn't fit 300 well i guess you could fit 300 birds in your house but that's crazy imagine 300 birds in this room oh my god and this is probably twice the size of a prison cell right yeah yeah, I, I don't I don't know the uh, logistics of this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They at the prison, they soon realized that he was taking advantage of this privilege to mm-hmm. have all these birds. Many of the bird cages were found to have contraband items in them. And the guards also discovered that some of the equipment Stroud had requested for his studies was being used to make alcohol. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, no, judgment cast upon you for killing a man. Oh, no for judgment sure. Cast upon you for making alcohol in your jail cell. <laughs> <laughs> Zero judgment. Yeah, very yeah. little. <laughs> because of all of this, Stroud was sent to Alcatraz in 1942, where he was allowed zero special privileges. So, although he's called the Birdman of Alcatraz, he was never actually allowed to have birds while at Alcatraz. Mm. He spent 17 years at Alcatraz, six or seven of those years segregated in the haunted D block. 
He was transferred to the Medical Center for Federal Prisoners in Missouri and died in 1963. Many people claim seeing Stroud in the cell where he spent so many years in solitary confinement. Solitary confinement is like inhumane. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you, especially, uh, I mean, it's it's dark all the time. Yeah. And something that I didn't mention earlier, but oftentimes in that D block, um, they would throw the prisoners in there naked. And it's like cold, in the dark, locked in, 24-7. In 1963, Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary was shut down by Attorney General Robert Kennedy. Hmm. The operating expenses were, in some places, three times higher than the operating expenses of other federal facilities. Because imagine with the location of Alcatraz out on an island, all food and supplies had to be shipped out to them, which cost significantly more than any other facility. Yeah. Additionally, the building was starting to fall apart due to the constant exposure to the salty air. After less than three decades, Alcatraz closed its doors, having housed 1,576 men and resulting in the deaths of at least 28, eight who were murdered by inmates, five that committed suicide, and 15 that died of natural causes. In 1969, a group of American Indians began what would be an almost two-year-long occupation of the island. Under the Treaty of 1868, in which the U.S. government said that the Sioux had a claim to any property that was surplus land of the government, an activist group called the Indians of All Tribes, containing 89 men, women, and children, traveled to Alcatraz, claimed to the, the land, began living in the warden's house and guards' quarters, and began tagging the island. This is actually... Potentially my most favorite thing on the whole island, and it's when you very first get to Alcatraz. You can check it out here, Lee. I'm sh- you're nodding your head, so I feel like you already know what I'm talking about here. I think I do. Yeah, Indians. Well, so it, it's a sign. It says United States Penitentiary Alcatraz. So there's a sign, but then on the wall behind it, it's tagged. It says Indians welcome. Yeah, in bright red letters. And I love that so much because it just depicts two eras of history yeah there. it's like I, a layer layered effect there i love that like literally this is probably my favorite thing on all of alcatraz island i just think it's the coolest thing yeah the american indian occupation could truly be an episode in and of itself i might actually add that to our list of hasty histories yeah. because there's so much information and it is so fascinating but essentially the american indians said that they had a right to the land and offered to buy the island very sarcastically for $24 in glass beads and red cloth, which is the same price that Europeans had paid Native Americans for Manhattan back in 1626. Ooh, that's a that's a slight. That's a burn. <laughs> that's a burn. <laughs> the U.S. government fought this, but the Native Americans kept trucking on. At one point, there were more than 600 living on Alcatraz Island. This movement brought in a lot of support from activists. Many people paid for food, clothes, and money to be sent to the island. That was going to be my question is... Like how were, how they, were they? Yeah, sustaining. Yeah, they. I mean, they just they had a lot of support, like even celebrities' support from yeah. people. Mm-hmm. But by the early 1970s, much of this had changed. Many of the occupants no longer cared about activism; rather, they just stayed for the free rent and food. Yeah. Additionally, around this time was when the main leader of this movement's 12-year-old stepdaughter fell to her death from some concrete stairs at the prison. This led to the leader and his wife leaving Alcatraz. With the primary leadership gone, things turned sour. President Richard Nixon cut off all power to the island in an attempt to force the Native Americans off the land. Shortly after, a major fire broke out, destroying several buildings. If you visit Alcatraz today, you will see the remnants of the warden's house, which was destroyed in the fires. We don't know whether these fires were set intentionally or not. 
When the federal marshals came in and forced the remaining Native American residents off of the island on June 11th, 1971, there were only six men, five women, and four children left. That's like, could you imagine over time seeing it go from 300 oh, to that? Like how yeah. lame. Like, lame and disheartening. Yeah. In 1973, Alcatraz opened up as a national park and tourist site. It is a super fun tour. And it's you, all day. I feel like it's very much worth the money. I completely agree with yeah. that yeah because i actually i kind of talk about that here it, it, tickets are only 40 bucks mm-hmm. and that's your ferry ride out to the island and yeah you literally spend the entire day there yeah um while we always always encourage you to donate and support your local museums during this tough covid time i would say that alcatraz isn't worth it right now because they did recently reopen but not for indoor tours it's yeah. just outdoor and and the outside of Alcatraz is amazing. It's actually really pretty. It's it actually it's beautiful. I got such beautiful pictures yeah. that day. Um, but the inside is obviously the best part. Yeah, it's the historic. It's the historical stuff. Though. Yeah, but I guess if you, I mean, if you want to support a museum, uh, which we super support doing that, forty bucks isn't that much to take a ferry ride and yeah. get to check out the outside of Alcatraz, and and you would still spend a significant amount of time doing that. Yeah, for sure. We didn't even see everything. We oh my could god, have. no! That there was so much we didn't even see yeah. when we were there. That it makes me want to go back. Yeah. really badly. Another thing that has unfortunately changed as a result of COVID is the Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon. Every year, except this year, for the past 40 years, athletes have competed in an annual Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon, which includes a bike ride, run, and a 1.5-mile swim from Alcatraz Island. Crazy. That's all I got. That was was good. Happy Halloween, y'all. Happy Halloween. so much for listening to this episode of hashtag history the many many pictures we described um will be shared on our instagram and do you want to can we i don't know if i can dig up some of our personal pictures but i think we should share if we can i think that i have a couple of them on facebook maybe even like an album yeah. or something so yeah i would totally grab those that'd okay. be fun all sources used to put together this episode can be found on our website at hashtag history pod.com We would also love it so much if you subscribed to us on whatever podcast platform you use, shared the podcast with your family and friends, and gave us a rate and review. And be sure to check us out on Instagram. That tag is hashtag history underscore podcast. And are we ready to reveal our super, super exciting season finale surprise? I'm so nervous. Next week for our season five finale, we are having a couple of guests on the podcast that I think many of you history podcast listeners know and love. We are having her Her story story on on the the rocks. rocks. (laughs) For anyone that is not familiar, they are a duo female history podcast that cover women in history while enjoying a cocktail as well as lots of laughs. I personally have been listening to them for over a year now and I'm totally obsessed with them and will 100% fangirl during next week's episode. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's it's going to happen. It's going to be cringy. Yeah. <laughs> in our season finale episode, we will be covering a pretty infamous woman in history. You've all probably heard of her. Yeah. Many people hate her. Uh, many people love to hate her. <laughs> 
but either way we're covering her so get over it (laughs) (laughs) and we cannot wait to see you there that's all we're gonna give you that's it so take a wild guess yeah should we give them a century at least let's let's a hint She's a woman. She's an athlete. An athlete, yes. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Good luck to you all. <laughs> May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> that wasn't a hint. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle. God. I don't know what it is about 90s rom-coms. They were all based in New York in the, in the fall. And they all had Meg Ryan in them. Or Sandra Bullock. Oh my God, you're right. Let's stop the podcast and just go watch Sleepless in Seattle. Doing a little oh, I was like, thing. are you twitching? Was, like, what's yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was Do me. you have a fly? That, like, in my hair? In your hair? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say pomegranate cosmos? I'm going to be honest. I was reading a text message on my wrist. So okay. it, it was from... That takes All right. back. <laughs> oh. Oh. No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was that was a long time ago that that was appropriation and not appropriate okay (laughs) psychic and ex-convict this oh my god it's lots of hard sounds yeah visited yeah (laughs) (laughs) while serving time at the federal penitentiary 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 that's how i would say it penitentiary thank you when he joined the prison bond bond Moses supposes his toes is a roses, the Moses supposes erroneously. Oh, Moses, he knows this, and Joseph supposes his toes is to be Moses. <laughs> 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 <laughs>